do you do with those filthy words? You let them there? If you let them there, they'll stay there. and They'll grow. They'll become filthy thoughts in here. But if you cleanse yourself with the washing of the word from that filthiness, you know how I do it? I do it just like the word of God tells me to do it. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Ephesians chapter 5 says that Jesus Christ cleanses the church by the washing of the word. Moses said in Deuteronomy 32, My word is like a gentle rain falling down from heaven, and it washes and cleanses you. It's like a shower. You know, a shower isn't a fire hose, right? Why don't you go get a fire hose and just... No, we don't do that. We want a nice, gentle water flowing over us, just enough to wash the dirt away. And this is the power of God's word. And if you, my dear brother, sister, think that's legalism, you're pretty filthy and you've gotten acclimated to the smell of sin in your life. Come out of the barn. Enter his house. Enter his dwelling place. Cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Well, that was an introduction to what I want to share about. And the word that the Lord has been putting on my heart, because as we, as a ministry team, remember that's what I was really talking about. This is just the effects of things. We as a ministry team here in the church, whom the Lord has put together with natural callings and abilities, and our heart is to come to him every day and let him transform that into a spiritual life-giving spirit to the church of Jesus Christ, not just this church. As we come together like that, we feel like the Lord is also wanting to establish that this, this gift, these gifts as a ministry, a more permanency in the church. A publicly, not only the gift recognized, but the work of the gift recognized. Because when that work, when someone's work is recognized... People yield to that work. If a doctor goes to college, and as long as he's in college learning, but he's not a practicing doctor, no one comes to him for anything. Would you like to go to a doctor who's just in college but has never practiced? It's when his knowledge becomes an act of service. And that reaps results. People are helped. And they're blessed, and their sicknesses go away, and medicine is prescribed that the work is recognized in the person. And then we, we'll go to him. We'll go to him to receive the blessing of his work. And that's important in the church, where a gift becomes a work, an established thing, practice that people do. And that person's gift can become much more effective in the church because it's publicly recognized for the work they're doing. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says that about elders or ministers in the church that they should be recognized, esteemed. Why? Because they have a lot of knowledge? No, for their work. 
that's simply what it means. Their work becomes your blessing, a gift to you and your family and others around you. And so I felt the Lord leading me for the next, I don't know how long, numerous Sundays, to dig into the Word of God and lift it up and ex- for all of you. Like Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, that his job and our job as ministers of the gospel is simply to take the Word of life and hold it up to serve it to you. So that you get to eat it, digest it, understand it, and live it. And I want to begin, there are three main portions of Scripture that you can study with me as we walk through this journey. I want you to be enlightened, not by what I say here, but by what you read here every day. This is the light of life. And only as I share this do you have light. There's a light. Light bulbs come on in your head with this word, and you go, huh, that's what that is? I've always heard about shrimp. This is what it looks like? Yeah, taste it, brother. Taste it, sister. You'll like it. Are you sure? I don't know. I've heard horrible things about shrimp. They're filthy. They were considered unclean in the Old Testament. They live on the bottom of the ocean, and someone told me all they eat is trash. Do I want to eat trash? Oh, it's delicious. Just try it. I want to engage your appetite for this, even if it seems like shrimp to you. So, Ephesians chapter 4 is one of those portions of Scripture. You can jot this down if you like, because what I desire to do with you, brothers and sisters, through this journey, this series of talks, and study that we're going to do together is for you to look at it through the week, for you to get up in the morning and do whatever your normal daily devotion time is with God, where you hear God speaking to you. But please add a little of this in it. Take a few moments or maybe more and read these portions of Scripture and read them with a heart to understand. Read them with a prayer on your lips. Father, open my eyes that I may understand marvelous things from your word. That was David's prayer, Psalm 119. Open my eyes, Lord. It was Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 1, he said, I pray to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ that he would open the eyes of your understanding, of your heart so that you would know the full knowledge of God and understand the deep things of God. Do it like that. Ephesians chapter 4. You can read the whole chapter. That's basically it right there. Jot that one down. The second one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant or unaware about them, how they function, where they come from, and to what purpose they are given. Those three things. Where they come from, how they function, and to what purpose they were given to you, to the church, to others around you. 
That's what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to dumb idols. The proverb says, those who make idols become like them. You know, you, an idol will make you dumb. You know what dumb is? We use that word, like, that was dumb. Or we use the expression, I hope none, no one ever calls someone else dumb. Dumb guy. But what does it actually mean? Can someone tell me? What does the word dumb mean? Ignorant? Can't hear? That's death. Right? Michael? The two go together. Ignorant first, and then can't talk. Dumb. It's a, you can't speak of what you don't have. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you make an idol, Proverbs said, you become dumb just like that dumb idol. You know how you become dumb? You become dumb about the things of God. You can't speak of them. You don't understand this book, and you can't speak it in a life-giving way because you have idols. And an idol makes you dumb. It harnesses your tongue, paralyzes it, and it gives you an ignorance because it leads you astray from this living word. So check yourself, church. Because 1 John chapter... Mm, wait, I don't want to lead you wrong. Let me look where it is. This word came to my heart. First John chapter 5, verse 21, the last verse. First John. Can someone tell me what this book, the five chapters of First John were really all about? What is the one word that was love? Thank you. Love. And at the end of the love message, he says this word. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. What? Did Jesus say that to you? Hey, child, guard yourself. How do you do that then? Are you? Are you guarding yourself from idols? I'll tell you how practically that word means to me. It means this, that as I enjoy the world, if I enjoy money and what it can buy me, what I can use it for, let's use money for one, because Jesus said there are two gods in this world, money and the right living God. He said you can't serve both. You either will give your heart to money. You cannot serve God and money. You can't. But we try all the time, right? Money has something in it that wants to make itself an idol to me. And here's how it does it. For me, checkmark. The first checkpoint of how when I know that money is an idol is becoming a force 
on my, in my thoughts, on my attitude, and controlling my tongue. And I know it's gone. If I lose money today, I do something foolish or make a mistake and it costs me money, or someone robs me. What do you do if someone robs you? How do you think about that person? What's the feeling, the emotion you're feeling? What do you say about it? Will you be like Peter? Take joyfully the spoiling of your goods. Or do you find that an impossible thing? You don't even know what I'm talking about. You've never smelled that. You've never tasted that shrimp. It tastes like shrimp to you. Take joyfully the spoiling of your goods. If money influences my thoughts, my attitude changes the attitude that day, and boy, can it ever. I don't know about you, but for me, I've started many of my days worshiping my king and then going to work and dealing with money. And it can be a simple little thing as my truck break down and it costs me money. Or one of my employees isn't doing his job right and we have to redo. And how do I feel about that? Joyfully, thank you, Lord, I lost some money today. Anybody ever say hallelujah at that moment? If not, if you find that doesn't even come into your thoughts, Guard yourself. Checkpoint. Money is influencing your attitude. Changed it right there. It did it to me. Changed my whole day. Ruined my day. Made me upset, frustrated. Where was the love and the peace and the joy of Jesus when I lost money? And I realized that was a robber another God. It is a God who is influencing my heart and leading me astray from this word and its power in my life. So check yourself. Guard yourselves from idols, little children. Guard yourselves from idols. And Paul is speaking that here to the Corinthians. And I want you to just Get this context, because what we're really talking about is ministry in the church. The gifts of Jesus Christ being given to men so that they can serve others. The chef has a whole bunch of food in the kitchen. Are you going to let it spoil? Because you won't serve his food. Maybe you have a disagreement with his food. Maybe you don't even like it. Maybe you've never tasted it. And you can't see why on earth people are eating this stuff. Will you serve it to them? Or will you be led astray by dumb idols? Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, you were dumb because you had idols. You become just like them. Make you dumb to God's Word. But now... Holy Spirit is saying, no one can speak like this except by the Spirit of God. 
speak like what? Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is a curse. No one. But if the Spirit of God isn't dwelling in you, and you've been led astray by dumb idols, you know what one of the first words is that you'll use as a curse word? Now you know it. I hear it every day, all the time. Jesus Christ! You heard that? That word becomes a curse word for people. Why? Because they're led astray by dumb idols. That's why. And if you and I get led astray by dumb idols, don't kid yourself, those kind of words will soon come out of your dumb heart. Your ignorant and foolish, darkened heart. Ephesians 4 says, your heart becomes darkened by the ignorance and foolishness that is in them. But no one having the Spirit of God will ever say that. Can't say it. Why? Because this is why. He's your God. He's your Lord. He rules your life. He's in your thoughts and you worship Him in spirit. And in truth, your mind, not just in your spirit, but in truth. That means it's for real. Your thoughts are there. The affections of your heart are there. And your body is his temple. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord. You said that lately? My dear brother, sister, just say it as you walk through the day and in your conversations. Pop it right in there. When they curse, Jesus Christ, say, Jesus is Lord. And see what happens. You're bold enough to do that? You think you're a, a Christian who's on fire for God and you love his name? Jesus said, those who are ashamed to confess my name before men, I will be ashamed of them before my heavenly Father. Are you dumb like an idol? Will money shut your mouth? Will you confess him as Lord when his name is used as a curse? I'll tell you, I've done it many times. And as I continue to do it, you know what happens? Two gods... Meet each other right there. Jesus is Lord and the dumb idol, the God of this world. And they face each other in my face and in that guy's face. They stand face to face. And you know who always is ashamed? Him. He's always apologizing. Or her. They always do it. I don't have nothing to apologize for. I feel no shame. In fact, I'm exuberated. I'm ready for a sword fight. I'm ready to share the gospel. The dumb idol is not making me dumb. My tongue has been loosed by the Spirit of God. And there's a life-giving giving spirit within me wanting to share the good news of Jesus Christ as Lord. Last Sunday... sharing with a young man. And he was 
wanting to repent from his sin, he said. In fact, our conversation started out with him saying, I'm a Christian. You are? Oh, yes, I know the Lord. I grew up in church. I went to many revival meetings with my mom. My dad was a Catholic. He taught me about God. But almost every sentence had a curse word, many of them. As he told me, he's a Christian. So we continued to share. And I continued to share with him the good news of the gospel. Because his life was a mess. He was locked out of his apartment because he had a fight with his girlfriend, who is not his wife. Or he was calling her his wife until the truth came out. And he was drunk because they were fighting. And he was locked out in the cold. And it wasn't that warm last Sunday. In the evening, it got cold. And as I invited him into my table and gave him some warm coffee, I began to share the word of God with him. Here's how the conversation ended. Almost ended. He said, I'm not afraid to die. I'm not even afraid of the devil. I'll beat him up. Where is he? Let me fight him. I looked at him and I said, he's laughing at you right now. This devil has been around for thousands of years and taken millions just like you to hell. He's laughing at you. You know why? No! Because you're his slave. You're drunk. You were drunk an hour ago. You're a slave to alcohol. You're a slave to sin. Jesus said in John 8, if any man sins, he is a slave to sin. That means if you habitually commit the same sin every day or over and over and over again, like with your tongue cursing or any other sin that you habitually do, guess what? That sin is your master. You're its slave. And you can yell at the devil all day long and all your life. This is what I told him. You can yell at him all your life. He's just going to laugh right in your face. He's not going to run away from you. But there is a way he'll run. James chapter 3 says, you sinners, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, weep and mourn, and then do something. Resist the devil, draw near to God, and he will flee from you. Jesus is the only one the devil's afraid of, and the only one he runs from. And when you and I confess him as Lord, face to face, when he's said as a curse word, we confess him as Lord, the devil is ashamed every time, and he runs. And he leaves those people empty and shamed. Shameful. This is in the context of the spiritual gifts, dear brother, sister. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you how it ended. I said to him, Jesus was either the greatest liar that ever lived on the earth, or he is the Son of God, Lord. 
he was transformed. We were sitting at the table, and he was half crying, apologetic. When I said that, he had fireballs coming out of his eyes. He jumped up and he screamed, he's a liar! Knocked over the coffee cup. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, confronts the devil to his face. And then he was ashamed. So ashamed he spilled the coffee. What he was really ashamed of was that he called Jesus Christ a liar. And he knows he's the devil's slave. And Jesus is wanting to set him free. But men love darkness rather than light. And many don't come to the light because their deeds are evil and they'll be exposed. Dear brother, sister, Jesus is Lord. He's the only one. And because he is Lord, and when he becomes the Lord of your life, of my life, my body becomes his living temple, a living sacrifice. That's the third chapter. First chapter, Ephesians 4. Second, 1 Corinthians 12. And the third one is Romans 12. You can write those down and read over them and pray over them. But when that happens, because Christ is Lord, He gives gifts to men. And He empowers men who confess Him as Lord, who receive Him as Lord, who submit their bodies to Him as Lord of their life. They're set free from being slavery to sin. And the church is built. God's people are edified and strengthened and the devil flees. He flees. And God's people overcome. All of the rewards that you and I read in Revelation chapter 2 to Revelation chapter 3, the letter to the seven churches, only one person got a reward. He was an overcomer. To him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. We only overcome by confessing him as Lord, surrendering. And that's how we overcome our natural ability. And it's transformed into a spiritual gift that blesses God's people and convicts the world of sin. That's how we overcome our natural deficiencies our natural timidness. And in that natural timidity is transformed into a holy, humble boldness to confess Him as Lord and share that gift, the gift of His Word with His people. That's what happens when you and I let Him be Lord of our life. Jesus said in John chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and in Luke chapter 6, after giving the Sermon on the Mount, we call it, he said, 
And why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do the things that I tell you. There are many who call him Lord, Lord, but are still slaves of sin like this young man. Remember, he says he's a Christian. But he cannot even confess Jesus Christ as Lord because he's not Lord of life. And he knows it. And the devil knows it. And Jesus knows it. But when you and I confess him as Lord, going back to the beginning, that word transformed, transfigured, taking our natural life, transforming it into the glory of Jesus Christ. And he's glorified. God bless you.
Father, Lord, we come to you, thank you for your love for us, Lord, as we 